Welcome to Assignment, the official podcast of the Mountain View MFA program at Southern New Hampshire University. I'm Rebecca Dragon, alongside Jillian Kemmerer. I'm so excited about today because this is our very first audio edition of Assignment Magazine. When I first started thinking about this idea of having a podcast, I really wasn't even thinking podcast. This is what I was thinking. I really wanted to hear um, the words of a diverse group of writers read out loud. Because frankly, I don't know about you, Jillian, but I spend a lot of my time, instead of opening a book, (laughs) I do listen to a lot of audio um, as I go throughout my day, as I'm driving, as I'm walking around the neighborhood with my earbuds in, uh, washing my dishes. And so I really thought, you know, this might be a great way to get more of our writer's words out there and consumed. I completely agree. I think times have changed for readers and writers. And so Mm -hmm. often my introduction to a work is via audio and it's often via audio book. And I always think of what the pressure must be. And and now I know it as someone who's going to be reading others' work to get it right, because reading your own work is one thing. And that has its own, its own strange perils as we've learned every residency since we started the program. Reading someone else's work is a responsibility and and to try to interpret how the author, especially in poetry, how the author expects it to be read is so interesting, but it's probably interesting for the author too, right? To hear how somebody else interprets their words on the page. I, I, I have to say that it's a valuable tool to have your words read back to you. Now, I've never had my words read back to me via a podcast, <laughs> um, but uh, I'm hoping that... Um, the writers that we selected for this edition find value in this. And I'm, I'm eager also to hear back from them, how it, how it feels to hear their words read like this. So on that note, um, do you want to get us started? I would love to get us started. And thank you to all of the authors who submitted and to everyone who's been submitting to assignment magazine. Obviously we are a digital magazine first and foremost. So there are a lot of great things to read on our website, assignmentmag.com, but this is our first ever audio issue. So I feel honored to get to kick it off with you, Rebecca. Um, And the first piece that I'm going to read is from Ashley Malik, who works in the ER of her local hospital. She writes about family violence and tenderness, and she's worked with Southern Illinois, Illinois Grassroots Literary and Art Magazine and has poems available at the Academy of American Poets website. She lives in the woods of Southern Illinois with her pup, partner, and wild toddlers. So between the ER and the wild toddlers, Ashley, thank you for taking the time to submit this piece. It's called The Mother Cult. Ooh. I know. I already like it. I'm really excited. Okay. (laughs) In the quiet place behind the blue waters of her irises, the earth shifts, quakes, animals die and are born writhe from the wood, trill their first words, and lay still again. Under the pale light of her teeth that clang, set together, slipping inside the firm walls of her lips, her children lisp their first lessons, call out her name like prayers, breathe in the sweet, wet fumes of her hairspray until their jaws stick and slam closed. Still, they hum the rolling tune of her name, run tongues over the backs of their teeth, suck and wonder that they are made in her image. 
Her children covet her body. When she walks past, the fixed crack of her high heels sends them into raptures. They lie down, whisper to each other that they've seen real loveliness, that there is nothing like their God, nothing so tall and fine. And she takes her steps quick, hard, without thought, closes the door, leaves them to roll the soft tip of her eyeliner along their lids, submitting to the sacraments of foundation and blush, running small fingers down the lanes of their legs, sheathed in her dark tights. They wait for her, for tilting slam of the door at 3 a.m., the seeping light of morning, feign sleep. Crushed against curtains, they hold their breath. When she walks past the room, their heads move in tandem, eyes lusting for the deep curve of her shadow. Mouths full of love words, they whisper as their heads soften the pillows, eyes seeking the gammy dusk behind their lids, minds leaping the steady fence, lambs at pasture, limbs weak and shaking, milk steeped. And that was The Mother Cult by Ashley Malik. Oh, thank you for that reading, Jillian. Okay, well, beautiful. yeah. Thank that, you, Ashley. So I have a piece. This is from um, a writer named Alexander Burdett. And he is a multimedia artist whose work explores visibility, kindness, the mundane, and the liminal. And Ooh. I love the word liminal. Me too. I'm thinking about liminal things. So this is called In the Dark Room. When I was the heavy feet and the burning eyes, trembling fingers and the wrecked hull of a boat, with the sea rushing in, trying so hard to bail, I was ears bombarded and eyes rubbed raw, the hunch of my back and the ache of my skull, a sub-bass beat in a cave. I was a hole in the ground and the dirt around it. I was a cry dying laugh and a scorched out match. And I was lucky some days, some very some days, if no one was using the dark room. Mr. Fitz would let me ragged, ragged and haggard and not four hours awake slip past the curtain and I'd stop awed by the change from loud and bright and busy and I'd sigh and step in unstare longingly at the so gentle dark that welcomed me in among enlargers ember eyes and let myself be grounded with my trembling legs on that sure cool tile oh that deep black safety and silence enveloped me as I rounded the corner and knelt by the enlarger, tucked most into the curb of the black cinder blocks and the semi-gloss pipes, knelt and patted my jacket under my head and made myself a pillow and laid my head down where the photo paper sleeps. The black metal behemoth hunched over my head and I breathed and it came out shuddering and whimper breathed and felt the hot salt tears slide freely past my eyelids, which were closed. And I breathed and the silence rushed in like the sea in a conch. And I could almost unbelieve myself of time. And I could almost convince myself to sleep, drift off, curled up in that secret ancient place 
like a comma under the enlarger and fade to black. That was really beautiful, Rebecca. You did such a great job with that. Um, I just felt like I was so deep in that scene. It was really rich writing. I it's I remember reading this in submissions and just um I felt like this author really captured that that feeling of walking into that dark room if you've ever been in one where it is just a completely different world walking yeah. in. Something so restful about that too, where you could just mm -hmm. sort of let emotions that you can't have when they're dancing on the surface of your day they all come to you in that moment I yes really powerful okay I have another piece to read for us and this is by Nicole Zelnicker who's the author of several books including Until We Fall which was a finalist for the Forward Indie Awards in the LGBTQ plus adult fiction she's also the founder and editor-in-chief of the literary magazine Knee Brace Press and you can check out the rest of her work at NicoleZelnicker.com or keep up with her Instagram and Twitter at, at Nicole Zelnicker. And this piece is called Submergence. You are born drowning. At the bottom of the ocean, your lungs fill with salt water and sludge. Anglerfish light the immutable night, bright white spots catching on their jagged teeth and misshapen eyes. Fragmented coral litters the gritty floor and cuts the soles of those bipedal. The journey to the surface is agonizing, but necessary. Your ears burst with pressure and your limbs burn with overexertion. Your lungs beg for rest, for air, unaware that to accept one is to sacrifice the other. It has been decades and you are hardly halfway. Miles and miles above, on a sailboat not far from the coast, a group of landborn lounge on the deck, beers in hand, life jackets secured snugly over sun-kissed skin. In the hazy light of the day, they laugh at the fate of the less lucky and congratulate themselves on never falling overboard. We have some, we have some themes, some common themes like some themes are running through these pieces I've noticed. I didn't notice this before <laughs> until I heard them read out loud. That's so interesting. And each piece has been so atmospheric so far. It's been- Oh, that's a great word. Yes. Well, this next piece actually almost makes me want to cry a little bit because it touches to this place. Anyone who has experienced kind of love lost um, and then pining for it, even though you know it wasn't really the best thing. Oh, so, I think this is gonna Yeah, so let's go. This is <laughs> this one is a, a very short and poignant piece. Um this is written by um someone named Skylar Brown who also wrote a very short and bio. Uh Skylar is an English instructor who has had a longtime passion for writing and poetry and she has had both poems and short stories published in various anthologies. Very mysterious. I don't know which anthologies these are but this is her bio. And, it feels like we come in to find them. This is now that's right. We have to look her up. I might do that actually after we're done recording. Um, and this um, poem is called I Carry My Heart With Me. I carry my heart with me, very bloody and pulpy thing that it is. You know, some days I want to lift it out of my body, vomit it out my throat to sell to the highest bidder. But then I think, who would want it? And anyway, 
The thing is, the real reason I carry it around with me is that very bruised and mangled thing that it is, I can't help thinking, once before you wanted it. And I just keep thinking, maybe you'll want it again someday. And so although it is very, very heavy still, I carry my heart with me. That line about once before you wanted it, oh, that sent shivers down. It makes me almost cry. It makes me want to cry. Honestly, I know this. I, I know this feeling. Wow. So short and sweet, but packed a punch. That was brilliant. Thank you, Rebecca, for that one. Um, Similarly, this piece, when I read it, sucker punched me a little bit because I think any young woman that grew up in this culture, particularly in our time, uh, will resonate with this. And it, it sort of surprised me. I didn't expect it when I read it. Um, this is a piece by Caitlin Breen, who is an elementary teacher and writer living in Connecticut. And the elementary teaching often informs the writing. Her poems have been published in Here, a poetry journal, and Snapdragon, a journal of art and healing. And this piece is called On the Swing Set After School. But before their parents get out of work, two girls in sequined converse and mall bright tees lean back when they reach the peak of the swing, aim their bodies toward the sun before the arc swings them back, a practiced motion the younger kids imitate until they can do it too. These girls are six and eight, the middle of the age range here. But listen, they are little girls, which is why it feels like someone hit me in the stomach when the one asks the other how many calories it burns playing on the swing set, and the other makes a guess. I'm telling you like it's now. This was 10 years ago. These girls are other people now, might not remember the conversation they had on the swing set at the after-school program, where teenagers and education students with clipboards and staff t-shirts kept an eye on them, outside until dark and sometimes after, until someone came to pick them up and bring them home. Then again, maybe they do, maybe it burns, a blaze in the tangle of single digits, a pin on a faded map saying, that road you went on, it started here. Oh. I know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Wow, that's all I have to say is yes, yes. Oh my. And it's chill inducing for me because I remember being in sixth grade and girls trading diet pills in the bathroom. Like you're in sixth grade, you have the the best, tiniest, most athletic, healthy, vibrant body you're probably going to have in your whole life with hatred. What, what a commentary on the way that we've been conditioned. So just, yeah, really, really. I, I remember being told to only drink hot water and eat fruit until dinner. Mm. around the same age. Beautiful. Great. Yeah. You know, that's a really important piece. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. And I think you've got, you're going to take us home now, Rebecca. I'm taking us home. Um, but we actually have two pieces from our next writer. Um, Daphne Rose writes fiction, poetry, and creative nonfiction. She studied fiction writing at the writing Institute at Sarah Lawrence college and the university of Iowa. And she is the founder and editor-in-chief of Sequoia Speaks, which is a print-based literary magazine with an online presence. And her debut flash fiction, Valencia, 
was recently published in the Fourth Rivers Tributaries. So we have two pieces of hers and I'm excited. Um, the first one is called Lotus. Allow yourself to start drowning here in the deepest of the shallows, in the mud. Be not afraid, says the caterpillar, crawling over your knee. But you can't help it because the body remembers. Back to seven years old. Remember how the bottom of the pool lunged to bite your chin and the water ran up your nose like it had something important to tell you? How it hurt when the doctor removed the stitches? It hurt so badly you closed your eyes, but the tears still leaked out as though your body was trying to drown itself again, to manufacture its own ruination, trying to remember, to recreate, to understand what happened to it. You still have nightmares of that moment, of the unrelenting touches of ghostly hands. As a small child, you would waterboard your Barbie doll in cherry jello. You once emerged from darkness and wet, sticky and red and strange, screaming out a love song. Among prophets, this is the golden rule. Life repeats itself again and again. The golden rule, I did not take care of myself. When I caught you red-handed, I kissed each one of your fingers and I let you try again. The golden rule is this, the work praises the man as the blackberry praises the bird, as the jawbone praises the knuckle, as the graveyard praises the corpse, as Jesus praises the Romans, your violation made me what I am. Will you stand in the deepest part of the shallows with me? When we flinch, will our bodies tell us why? Her second piece is called The Bad Goods. In the grocery store, I fill my basket with fresh, fresh resolutions. Resolutions. Some words just feel good in the mouth. I try to avoid eye contact with the persimmons. I'm afraid of what they'll say to me. And the barest scrap of attention will be taken as an invitation. But I see them still from the corner of my vision papery leaves, gleaming orange flesh, clamoring over each other, foaming at the mouth. They stand outside in the parking lot, smoking cigarettes. I taste them, crisp sunlight and suicide. I'm shopping for a new way to say I'm sorry, but it's January now, and the next shipment of regrets hasn't arrived yet. It will soon, in the form of unflossed teeth, unlost weight, too much vodka, not enough self-mercy. The resolutions are on clearance though, and the point set is too. 50% off, $1.75, leaves soft and rain wet, bruised like lungs, alive in the muck and gore and ashes of a bygone year. The point set is grab my hands. The only way out of this is through, they tell me in their tender red voices, touching my face, go on, on. How brilliant. The resolutions are on clearance and the point set is too. I love that line. This author does a great job of assigning sentience to things like the way that the pool is active in the drowning, the way that the, yes, point set is the persimmon, the persimmon smoking cigarettes and telling her what's up in the parking really? lot. <laughs> yes. <Love it's>, it. <laughs> I, I really wanted to end with that one. I, I, 
you know, I feel like we missed, we missed the boat a little bit. It would have been great to read in January, but it was part of a March submission. So <laughs> March fall for submissions. Well, Hey, when we come back for our holiday edition of, of assignments, yeah. then we'll correct this one to remind us all to, uh, to think about our resolutions a little that's more. That's right. That's actually a good idea. <laughs> well, it. that's it. That was, that's the, that's the episode, our very first audio edition of the magazine. And I'm hoping that people might be willing to reach out to us and let us know um, if they like this kind of content so we can do it more. <laughs> we would love that. Yeah. Please let us know what you enjoy hearing, what you want to hear. Obviously this is a new podcast where we're just slowly getting our, our sea legs here and, and we'd love to continue to do more of what you want to hear, but this was so much fun and it's great because I always admire Rebecca, how you read your own work at residency. So getting to listen to you read work here and it's just always a masterclass for me. You've got such great delivery and I hope that you'll be able to help future students and, and writers as they prepare to read their works um, because I think it's a really valuable skill set to have. We'll see. <laughs> Fingers crossed. More later. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's been great hanging out with you as always, Jillian. And until next time. Until next time. You can find the latest works of Assignment Magazine on our website, www.assignmentmag.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at assignment underscore mag and check out the official Twitter of the Mountain View MFA program at SNHU, which is just at Mountain View MFA.